Wow. You know, don't, don't we have like something called freedom of the press here? Isn't Tucker Carlson, I mean, I know he's not at Fox News or anything anymore, but isn't he kind of still sort of a member of the press? Is he not allowed to go and interview a world leader? That's certainly how this is coming across, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow, wait till you see this. Unbelievable. We got all kinds of footage coming in from Tucker and his team there over in Moscow. We see that there's been a warm reception over there, but not such a warm reception. I mean, we're talking icy cold, like Siberia cold here at home. We're going to get to that story. And wow, I mean, I nearly fell off my chair when I saw this poll this morning. Have you seen the latest NBC News poll? I'm like, man, how are you guys going to run him? I mean, I know you're talking up the economy and stuff on MSNBC nonstop, but it's not enough. It's not enough. You know what the American public, they don't think that Joe Biden can do the job. And this new poll, I'm going to show you all the results. It really showcases that. And we've been talking VP, 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 right? We've all been weighing in. I've shared some of my intel. I have a little more to bring you today. But Donald Trump actually shared some intel as well. So I'm going to throw that out there. I I see so many of you in the chat and in the comments. Welcome back. Great to have you here. Thank you to those who have joined the Trish Regan team, the Reganites, as we're calling ourselves right now. Welcome to the show. I am Trish. I'm brought to you, as always, by our good friends over at Legacy PM Investments, LegacyPMInvestments.com. We love those guys. By the way, gold, we'll talk about that a little bit later because that is one to keep an eye on in light of all the turbulence we got going on all around the world right now. So LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can give them a ring, 1-866-589-0560. So Tucker Carlson, my former colleague over at Fox News, he had the 8 p.m. on on Fox News. I was over on Fox Business. He he just actually landed a big interview, a very big interview, like the interview that all the people on the left would love to have, and they would take any day of the week with Vladimir Putin. So he's over in Moscow, and all the the social media in Moscow is a buzz. I'm going to show you some of this. I think we can cue some of this stuff up. Take a look. Here he is in the parking garage at the Kremlin. (laughs) Cool, huh? So he uh, apparently was just pulling in. He's there to interview Vladimir Putin. So fascinating, right? Because you know how secure Putin keeps himself. So this is a very interesting time for Tucker to get this interview. He's been in Russia the last couple of days. And again, this is him like pulling into the Kremlin there. He's going to do the interview. He's going to have to go through security and all that stuff. And I'm sure that this was a very long process, right, to get this all to happen. He was spotted at the airport and the Russian media kind of went sort of nuts. They, they like him a lot. So let's see, do we have the airport picture? Yep, there he is. He's at the airport. He's got his team with him. They're there. And, uh, well, he, he even went to the ballet. <laughs> so he was over at uh, the ballet just last night, also reported on Russian social media. Again, there's uh, a lot of buzz, shall we say, within Russia. I think some of the people there, they, they like him. Of course, simultaneously, keep in mind, you know, they actually really do have a state-controlled media, which, interestingly, at times, you, you wonder if we do as well, right? Because you won't believe what people are saying about Tucker, a journalist, doing this interview over there. You know, this is Sputnik TV. You see, it, it says, Sputnik took to the streets of Moscow to ask local people what they thought. You hear this woman saying, in my opinion, he is the bravest and most courageous American journalist today. All right, so... There's a little bit of a point of view. This one says Tucker Carlson frequently appears in the news. He is known for telling the truth, which is why he often faces criticism in the United States. So they're kind of turning everything on its head. They're like, hey, you guys over there in the U.S., you know, you think you got all this freedom. And yet Tucker Carlson, he didn't have that freedom, right? He was sent packing from Fox News. I, I know the feeling. And so these people are so they're like, okay, like he's worthy of our respect now. This is the Russian news agency. Keep in mind, all right? So you see the irony here. The Russian news agency is like, yeah, you know what? Tucker's great. Tucker's good. Tucker's going to interview Putin. So there is a a desire to paint a very positive picture of him. I get it. 
and and they believe or they feel that he's going to be more sympathetic to what Russia needs or what Russia's saying. Do we have the one in English, Drew? I wonder because we, we saw some sound that actually came through in English that we might be able to play if we have it. My name is uh, Alexei. I like you. <laughs> you are the best American journalist. Thank you. Thank you. What? Я люблю этот город. Он красивый. Хотел на нее посмотреть. Я так много читал о ней. Я хотел поговорить с людьми и посмотреть. And it's not hard. It, I mean, it's not hard. It's extremely hard. It's not easy to get something like this. It's hard to even get over there and to get all the right, you know, certificates and the right visas and this. And I remember years ago, back, I mean, this is a while back because I was at G8 over in Germany and I wanted to go and interview. It would have been uh, the, the, the guy who was... Uh, Medvedev, he was sort of the, the stand-in, right, for Russia at the time. And I was working, and I was trying this, that angle, and that angle, trying to get an interview there overseas in Moscow. I was just going to, you know, hop by on my way back from the G8. And it was a fair amount of intensity in terms of trying to get the appropriate visas, et cetera, and then, by the way, like getting the interview. And ultimately, it did not happen. Although I did do an interview with Dmitry Peskov, who is head of the media relations. He's kind of like, uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is a weird comparison, but he's like KJP, right? Like the Karine Jean-Pierre of Russia. He's the top PR person, but he's a little more than KJP because, you know, Putin's been there a long time and in charge a long time. And so Dimitri's there kind of running the show. And Tucker got it. So you know what? Good for him. What I'm going to say here is, and you know where I stand on this, The more information, the better. The more viewpoints, the better. Heck, I mean, why do we just believe whatever they tell us? I, if I have to hear MSNBC tell me one more time why the economy's doing so well, when, by the way, I'm paying the most for eggs I've ever paid in my entire life, I, I, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lose it, right? Like, that's all they do. They are spouting their narrative, and it's wrong. So as a journalist, don't I have the right to say, no, no, Wait a second, let's, and we're going to do that later. We're going to look at why people are so upset about the U.S. economy. But in other words, the administration is saying one thing. I have the right to say, no, you know what? That's wrong. Or you know what? I don't agree with that. So how does Tucker not have the right to go over to Russia and tell another side of the story? Sometimes these stories can be kind of messy, but it's important that we hear from every single point of view and that we don't just discount the ones that we don't like. Right? Democrat members of Congress? Democrat senators? Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what they're out there tweeting. I mean, it's like he committed some kind of crime. They're calling him a traitor. They, they're saying he shouldn't come back in the country. Tucker Carlson, how dare you? How dare you actually want to hear from more than just one side? I mean, journalists and everything. How dare you? Because it's, it's only our narrative that the Biden administration wants to dish out that you're allowed to talk about, right? Adam Kinzinger tweeting out something here. Uh, well, uh, somebody named Mark Bennett said, Tucker Carlson has been in Moscow for the past three days, according to Russia's MASH outlet. He was spotted at the Bolshoi Theater today. Mr. Kinzinger writes, he is a traitor. Wow, I mean, this is a member of Congress, like calling a journalist a traitor. And then this one's great. You got this guy who used to be the uh, chief staff for Dan Quayle. <laughs> That's like the big claim to fame. He's also, or formerly was, a journalist at Weekly Standard. So he's a, he's a popular commentator now writing, perhaps we need a total and complete shutdown of Tucker Carlson. This is Bill Crystal. Perhaps we need a total and complete shutdown of Tucker Carlson re-entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what is going on. I looked at that. I'm like, okay, he's joking, right? Like, he's just laughing. He's having a good time. I'm not so sure. Then Vivek, he had the best line of all. Retweeting 
this saying, hey, this sounds more KGB than the KGB. And he's totally, utterly right. I mean, if you're going to detain a journalist because they dared to sit down with Vladimir Putin and have a conversation to try and understand the story a little bit better, you're going to detain him or threaten that he should be detained and then you get members of Congress calling him a traitor? Wow. I mean, Vivek is absolutely positively right. It is more KGB than the KGB. We're going full-scale nutso. The point is, you know what? If something is true, then the truth will come out. But you guys can't just continue to spin it. You know, funny thing happened on the way to the forum. This whole internet thing, the fact that I'm here streaming with you, you guys are, are weighing in live. We had a live program happening where information is coming in. We're discussing, I'm sharing, and we have the freedom to do this. Think about that. That didn't ever used to exist, ever. And so you had networks and you had newspapers and you had the official media out there, the, the legacy media, the mainstream media, they were, frankly, in coordination with whatever White House was in power, dictating the news. And then what do you know? All of a sudden, YouTube opens up and all these other platforms where we can actually talk about things and we can actually dig into things and express different points of view. Imagine, imagine, imagine. And I say this as somebody who comes from the mainstream media, who worked her entire career at America's largest networks, three, the biggest worldwide, biggest financial networks, as well as, you know, I have NBC News, CBS News. I've been on Good Morning America and ABC News Tonight. Like, I've seen it all, okay? So I tell you this as somebody who's been to the other side. It is very controlled. It is very scripted. It is a, a people that, you know what, have, have direct lines into the White House. So, you know, if you start to get a little out of line, well, they can check you pretty fast, right? I remember when I was at CBS and I did some, something on the Patriot Act and I kind of took a, a, a critical look at it, as you can imagine I would. Hey, both sides, both sides, right? We actually got a letter. I was CC, they, they sent a letter to my boss. The White House did. Because you, you, weren't, you weren't really supposed to do that, right? So think about what we all went through during March 2020. But I, I, I lived to tell about it. Think about what Tucker went through when he, he dared to try and talk about another side to J6 and maybe... We should take a look at those other tapes and not completely rely. I don't even know if you got into this. I keep talking about this. On Alexandra Pelosi's footage, daughter of the Speaker of the House. I mean, not even a journalist. She's a documentary film producer. She's a storyteller. They used her footage to tell the whole thing. And then when Tucker tried to get all those other tapes, they're like, no, 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 it's a security violation. Then he aired them anyway. Oh, boy. Well, there is ATWL to pay in spades from none other than Mr. Chuck Schumer, the senator, Colin Tucker out. He had his like head on a platter. He wanted it. Remember? Take a look. Millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. Okay, so hear me out. If you believe that we as journalists, as members of the press, have a responsibility to try and get at what the truth actually is, if you believe that, Chuck Schumer, then you shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Because the truth is, whatever is good and right and true, ultimately, if you believe in free speech, then having more of it is actually going to allow the truth to come to the surface. And so you want that. You want people digging in. That's what a journalist's job is to do. Because sometimes these things are kind of messy. I mean, hey, something comes to mind. Might it be the Hunter Biden laptop that you told us was fake? that you told us we couldn't talk about. This was no-go territory, ladies and gentlemen, and yet, what do you know? The whole thing turned out to be real, even though we had 51 ex-spooks telling us the opposite. I mean, think about where the 
the coronavirus came from. Think of that. It turns out that according to every agency except for the CIA, which remains divided on this issue, it did actually come from the lab in Wuhan, China, where they were studying it. We couldn't talk about that. Oh, uh, the dossier, which you all told us was absolutely positively true, you know, the dirty dossier that they got on Trump. Uh Uh-uh, no, that was just bought and paid for opposition research courtesy of Hillary Clinton and a few other entities. All I'm saying is, if you don't have journalists willing to look at all sides and consider all sides, then you know what? You don't have much. And right now they're freaking out because they thought they could control, control, control. And in the old days, guess what? You could. Because we didn't have this. I didn't have a way to talk to you. Tucker didn't have a way to talk to you. I keep saying, like, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? I I wish I had. I wish I had. But, hey, better late than never, as they say. Tucker Carlson, really, I think, in fact, probably lost his gig at Fox in part because of the J6 stuff. And they they just reached a point where, like, they couldn't take it anymore. They just couldn't. Management couldn't take it. It was too, too dicey. Had too many complaints from those in the administration and those on Capitol Hill. And don't forget, they already had their narrative. They already were running with this thing. They admitted so much on PBS. There's a new documentary out, and they're so tone deaf that they are bragging about how they packaged this whole thing, that they had their narrative, and they spun it, and they put it together. And guess what? They even hired an ex-Disney ABC News producer to help him in the process. I mean, he explains it well himself. Thompson's committee had gathered a trove of information. The challenge, what to do with it. The one thing that we knew was the information that we have is compelling. The thing we needed to do was tell that to the American people in a compelling way. So that's why we brought in a former president of ABC News. Mm. Yeah, I got a call pretty much out of the blue um, from the January 6th committee. They wanted they wanted a storyteller. And while they were brilliant, they were brilliant lawyers. Storytelling for a mass audience is not what they do. But it's what he did. He's good at it. At one point in my career, I almost went to work at ABC. So I met him. I, I, you know what? He's good at what he does. So they hired him. And Adam Kinsinger is there saying, well, you know, we, we needed to craft a narrative. This is the same guy calling Tucker Carlson a traitor because he dares to go to Moscow and do an interview with Vladimir Putin. So, wait, your side gets to do what it wants, but nobody else can explore any other narrative? I mean, did I see this kind of uproar back in 2021, June 2021, when NBC News went to Russia to interview President Vladimir Putin in Russia? He sat down with someone named Keir Simmons, and it took place... June 11th, 2021. So that's fine. As long as it's one of our own, as long as this person is sanctioned, as long as this person fits what we can control, we can call up their boss and say, hey, wait a, wait a second, why'd you put that on the air? As long as we have that control, we're fine with it. But someone's a traitor. If they're a journalist out on their own, as he is now with his own thing, he can't do an interview? Come on. And you know why this is happening. Oh, it's happening because guess what? Biden wants $60 billion more to go to the funding of Ukraine. And they've tied it to the border and they've tied it to Israel. I mean, they're really, you know, they got, they got to find somehow some way in order to get this money. And so it's, an interesting choice of timing. It's smart for Vladimir Putin. It's smart of the Russians because they're trying to reflect another side of the story. It's smart for Tucker as, and I say this, you know what? All bias aside, as a journalist, even if he has a different kind of interview, I want to see it, right? Like I want it, like I actually want to see what the other side says. I want all sides Always. It's how I roll, okay? So I I tell you all the time, I watch MSNBC and The View, so you don't have to, right? In other words, we need all the viewpoints we can get so we can make educated decisions. You think I'm going to let that, the Joy Reid lady, we're going to get to that later, sit there and tell me the economy's great? When I've got the hard facts and data to know that she is so clearly lying 
again, we need to understand all sides. And part of understanding all sides is hearing what the other side says. So, you know what? I didn't always agree with Tucker on everything. That's uh, for sure. And I'm not always going to agree with him on everything for sure. But hats off, buddy. I mean, way to go. Awesome. This is the interview that everybody wants right now. He got it. And I can't wait to see it for one. Okay. So it's, uh, he's taking some bullets and some heat, so to speak. I mean, when you've got, for goodness sakes, them saying that you need to be detained and they need to make sure that you're not a traitor. The next thing you know, he's going to be the Russian spy. So, so maybe he should be VP, right? We're going to talk about VP for sure, because, uh, well, Trump weighed in on it in a recent interview. So I want to share that with you. But before we do, Stunning new poll. I mean, this one just has me blown away. I mean, we knew that that Donald Trump was faring better in the polls. I mean, there's one outlier that I think is worth paying attention to, but all the polls are showing him way up. And this one in particular, oh my goodness gracious, when you break it down, first of all, according to this new NBC News poll just out, Five points. He's up five points overall. Five points higher versus Joe Biden. But it's what's in the poll. It's what's in the poll. And by the way, remember, remember, Donald Trump tends to poll worse than he otherwise would because people are afraid to actually say young and above from. So this is incredible. This headline we're showing you that the Daily Mail did a write through on it. Joe Biden is 16 points behind Donald Trump on competency. Pure, basic competency. I mean, if that doesn't win it for Trump, what does? I mean, if people actually think that Joe Biden is not competent enough for the job, and by the way, I get it, totally, totally, utterly get it, then how does he actually stand a chance at anything? So that's a 16-point spread. And then when you look in even further, guess what? There's like better than a 20-point spread on the economy. Wow. Wow. 20, I mean, look at this. Here we go. This is, again, Daily Mail has a nice little graphic for us. Competence. 48% say Trump is competent versus 32% saying Biden's competent. Competent, ladies. The president of the United States should be competent. Is that asking for too much? And then when you go to border security, well, before we do that, economy first. 55% say Trump on the economy. 33% Biden. So now they're making the rounds everywhere, all over MSNBC and The View, saying the economy's great, the economy's great. No, the economy's not great. And I got one chart to show you that's totally going to prove it. And then you get border security. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is it any wonder that there is a 22% to 57% thing? I mean, you want to talk margin here. Wow. Donald Trump. On the border, 57% consider him competent and and good and able to manage the border and border security being a good issue for him. Only 22% of the electorate. This is is left and right, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like these are all just one-way thinkers or people, you know, that are are conservatives. Only 22% of the U.S. population that's eligible to vote right now actually thinks, according to the latest NBC News poll, that... Biden is competent on the border, that Biden's doing a good job on the border. So these are pretty significant viewpoints. And I think that if you think about this, if the election were held today, I don't know how Biden actually wins it. I really don't. I mean, if I were, if I were working for him, I'd, I'd start looking for a new gig really soon. I mean, you know how they, they figure he can win it if they just keep drilling over and over and over and over again that... Trump is bad, and anyone that votes for him is on the wrong side of history, and they are therefore bad. So we're just going to cancel 75 million people. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, you, you, I got to play this clip. I mean, I, I, we, if, if, you, if you're new to the show, terrific. Thank you for being here. Subscribe, thumbs up, hit the bell, do all that stuff. If you've been here before, you may have seen me play this because I'm just blown away. It's our friends over at Gravy, and they put this together. Wow. This is what they're going to do to try and win the election. 
Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. He's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically burn the house down. He will unravel the institutions of our democracy. Draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler. Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini. Makes Donald Trump even more dangerous. He wants to take away your vote. Senate and the House are immediately going to be paralyzed. People will begin in their minds to censor themselves. They might say, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. This is the end of democracy. Yeah. I think that could be yeah, the end go. of our democracy. But democracy is dead. You know, they go on and on and on. They get like five more minutes of this. I'm not going to torture you. I just want you to understand their path to re-election here. This is all they got. This is all they got because when it comes to substance, the actual policy that is meaningful and that will matter for yourself, for your future, for your family's future, for your children, for your grandchildren, the policy they just keep coming up short on one after another, on the international front, on the economy, on immigration. I mean, my gosh, think of what's happening in New York. Think of what's happening in Massachusetts. Think of what's happening in California, in Texas, all over the country, right? I mean, think of that. We're going to get to it in a second. But again, these polls, I, I want to remind you guys of something. I want to remind you, when it comes to these polls, people are not always truthful. How can they be? I mean, you're being threatened with total cancellation. So you think you're going to tell all your friends, yeah, I'm voting for Trump? You think you're going to tell the pollster that you don't know this person on the phone that you're voting for Trump? No, you're not. You may, you may say, well, I think that Trump's better on the border. You may say, I think he's better on the economy. You may say, I think he's more competent, but you're not going to say that you're actually voting for Donald Trump, which is why when you look at those numbers and people keep saying he's better on this, he's better on that, he's better on this, and then the final number shows him up only five points, it's because people won't go that far. They're afraid to say, yeah, I'm going to vote for him because of the, the vitriol that you see on the left. Liz Cheney, how many times does she tell us, well, this is, you know, this is going to be for the history books. You're either on the right side of history or the wrong side of history, and then they, they evoke things like Hitler and Mussolini, and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Right? So that's their path to winning because they don't actually offer any meaningful policy. That is a problem. The border is a mess. We've got a real problem right now in New York City. In New York City, it's a horrible situation with some people that were... were Horrific. I mean, I'm not going to show you the video. I don't want to, I, like, I hate even having, this is, this is terrible. This is not who we are. But these people were undocumented migrants. They beat up some police officers. And now, I mean, even the governor of New York is like, this is not right. They're going to pay. They should pay. Heck, what are we doing allowing people to walk free? Why would we ever allow that? Guess what? If you're a U.S. citizen, you're not walking free. Thank you very much. They just get, you know, they're, they're off and, and we hope that you show up in court. And hey, you know, good luck on the asylum stuff. No, I don't think so. You, you send them home and you don't let them come back. And for some reason, that, that's, that's too much. The left doesn't even want to do that. Are they masochistic? I mean, I really, there's like a masochism there, really, that, that, that should be examined. It's like they don't care enough about themselves or appreciate themselves enough that they're willing to allow this craziness. So Donald Trump sat down with my former colleague, Maria Bartiromo, nice lady, and he, he had a few things to say about this. I want you to see him weigh in here on what ought to happen with illegal, undocumented migrants that are now arrested for beating these, these officers up. We cannot allow scenes like I saw in New York two days ago, where policemen are being beat up by gangs of illegal immigrants, in that case from Venezuela, Honduras. We can't allow that. And these are kids that are fighters. They were not, you know, babies. They were knocking the hell out of our, of our policemen. We can't let this happen. You know, he, he's right. What, how, how are we letting this happen? Why would we let this happen? 
is there is there some kind of masochistic quality among Democrats where they're just going to be okay with with our members of law enforcement getting beaten up and then everybody just walks away like there's no we got a problem, ladies and gentlemen. And for whatever reason, this administration is choosing not to deal with it and has punted on this one for way too long. Now they come to us wanting money for the border when they say, oh, we're going to like process all these people, too. We're going to process them. What? And then what? No, guys, you, you need an actual border. I mean, maybe you need a rehaul. I don't disagree with that. We definitely need a rehaul, but not the one they're looking to do. And that is a problem. I mean, heck, people in Massachusetts, they just closed a Roxbury Community Center right outside Boston. And the, the mayor was pretty upset, mayor, forgive me, the governor, Maura Healy. Grew up in my hometown, by the way, little small town in New Hampshire. She's a Democrat, and she's upset. Like, I mean, you have a lot of Democrats upset right now. The mayor of New York's upset. The governor of Massachusetts, the mayor of Denver, all of these Democrats that are like, wait a second, we can't do this. We don't have the money. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the ability to take all these people in. But, you know, you're a sanctuary state, so there you go. You have to bear some of the responsibility too, right? Well, then that means closing down a community center so little kids actually don't have a place to go when they get out of school. And people like this man that you're going to see get really upset about it. They're like, what the heck? What's going on? Here he is. He's trying to get into his community center. He's pretty upset. Watch. And I've been here my whole because I can yell. Because I can yell. So I've been here my whole life. Because I can yell. And he's yelling because he can yell. And I'm angry. That's and he's why. angry. So why can't I get in the building? Why can't I get in the building? Why? Where's the mirror at? <sighs> why? The reason is because you're not allowed anymore. see sound every day coming in a lot of that out there people are like I i'm working hard i'm working a job two jobs three jobs i'm trying to take care of my family and now you introduce what was it 56 million dollars that they're going to spend on, on debit cards you get a cash card and a hotel room and a cell phone when you come to new york city now oh wow this is a problem it is a big problem and Donald Trump, look, he tapped into it. He tapped into it in the way that the left, by the way, should have been all over if they were thinking, if they were thinking. But instead, what did they do? They, they dug in their heels and they, they dug them in hard and they said, oh, we have to be more understanding, accepting. We have to think of the Statue of Liberty. We have to bring everyone here because that was the opposite of what Trump wanted. And forget the fact that, you know, back in the day, the late Dianne Feinstein once said, we cannot be the welfare system for Mexico. She was right. Forget the fact that Obama, Clinton, everyone actually said, we can't not have a border. As soon as Donald Trump says, we need a border, they double down on, nope, 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 nope. That's mean. That's mean. You can't do that. Well, he weighed in, in this interview with Maria over the weekend. I want you to see. Donald Trump with Maria Bartiromo, and he just goes at it. You know, the, the, the migrants in New York City, the migrants in New York City that, frankly, should be sent packing, packing fast. Drew, do we have it? If we don't, it's okay. We'll we cannot on, allow but, um, scenes like I saw in New York two days ago where policemen are being beat up by gangs of illegal immigrants, in that case from Venezuela, Honduras, we can't allow that. And these are kids that are fighters. They were not, you know, babies. They were knocking the hell out of our, of our policemen. We can't let this happen. And yet this is what we're allowing to have happen. 
you know, he's right. You know, there are states that are introducing all kinds of programs, including the state of California, where we got some footage that came in from La Jolla, Tony La Jolla, California, where the migrants are coming right in, you know, onto the beach in that San Diego enclave. My goodness, this is like a Martha's Vineyard kind of moment because La Jolla is like a fancy schmancy place. And now the migrants are coming right in. But hey, why not? Because Gavin Newsom says he's going to give you free health care. How he's going to do that considering they're, what, some $68 billion in debt in the state of California? I mean, how the heck are they going to pay their retirement benefits to all their employees, their government employees? Hey, Gavin, what's going to happen to your pension, buddy? Because, you know, you don't have the money for this. And everybody's leaving your state because you're hiking taxes and not giving anybody except for the undocumented migrants that are coming in illegally any real benefit for it. You have Chinese migrants that are coming now into the country. How are they getting into the USA? They're coming by way of the southern border. Here they are, the border with California. A lot of them are from China. Now, why would that be? Well, it just so happens that this is the easiest way to get into the country. What do you know? And so there you have a lot of, by the way, they look like uh, men to me for the most part. I see some women, but the women and children picture, that's not really, you know, Again, a few. They're few and far between. They're mostly men and a lot of them from China. They're also coming from the Middle East. They're coming from all over and they're coming to our border because it is so porous and because they know they can exploit that opportunity. 300,000, the most ever in the last month alone. Unbelievable stuff. So Donald Trump, he struck a chord and he's going to continue strike. I mean, 30 point spread per that poll, right? NBC News telling us, a 30-point difference. People say Trump is better on the border than Joe Biden. So does he become president? A big part of it may come down to whether or not he can close the gap with independents, specifically independent women. So we've been talking about this on the show. I want to see what you guys are saying. We've been talking and talking and talking about who does he pick for VP. Some of my intel, and it's well-sourced, suggests that he absolutely positively recognizes that he needs to close the gap with women and that, you know what, that the base loves them, but if you're going to expand beyond the base, you may need to, you know, nip a few off the, the, the middle, shall we say. So how does he do that? Who gets him there? And we've been talking and we've been very candid. I appreciate your, your willingness to humor me with my candidness because I've been super candid. You know, I'm just thinking, how do we get the best person for the best policies, the best policies? And trust me, it's not Joe Biden and it's not Kamala Harris and it's not Michelle Obama. Should she be thinking anything? It's got to be somebody who is tough on border, who is tough when it comes to law and order, who believes in lower taxes, the onshoring of dollars, who actually wants to grow our economy, not shrink it, not just pay off you know, the cronies that are in the lobbying department, but actually see meaningful growth for the future and keep us stable in the world. So assuming all of that, if you want Trump to take it all the way to the White House, how do you start to see more than a five-point difference in these polls? Because I think he needs to win big. He needs to win really. It's like in Argentina, and they never thought Malay had a shot. And then Malay, he pulled ahead and by 12 points. So it was overwhelming. This guy was going to win. That is what Donald Trump is going to need. So who does that for him? Well, he's got some thoughts. He didn't name everyone here, but there are some names that you should hear. Let's take it away. When will you announce who your VP is? Not for a while. I mean, I have, while. we have so many great people in the Republican Party, but not for a while. Well, what criteria are you using to identify who your running mate is? Always it's got to be one thing. It's got to be who would be a good president. I mean, you always have to think that because, you know, in case of emergency, things happen, right? No matter who you are, things happen. It's got to be number one. Who is your running mate? Well, I have a lot of good people. We have a lot of really good people. So you haven't decided who it is? I have a lot of good ideas, but I haven't. And there's no reason so to do that So you haven't told that person, you're my person. I, I speak to everybody. I speak to everybody. You know, I called Tim Scott this, so because a lot of people like Tim Scott. I called him and I said, you're a much better candidate that, for me than you are for yourself. When I watched Tim, he was fine. He was good, but he was very low-key, et cetera, et cetera. I watched him in the last week defending me and sticking up for me and fighting for me. I said, man, 
I said, you're a much better person for me than you are for yourself. Because for himself, he was low key. For me, he's been, he's been a real tiger. He's been incredible. And others have too. Uh, so maybe it's Tim Scott. Well, it could be, it could be a lot of people. But it was interesting. I was watching Tim. I've been watching, you know, for a while. I watched him campaign as a candidate. But I watched him over the last two weeks. Uh, as you know, he endorsed me, fully endorsed me, gave me a beautiful endorsement. And he has been really strong in terms of that. No, but that has nothing to do. I don't want anybody to take even any inference. But it's incredible. Uh, Christy Noem has been incredible fighting for me. She said I'd never run against him because I can't beat him. That was a very nice thing to say. What was it's the story that your team reached out to RFK Jr.? Did it's you? a false story, no. It's a false you story. never reached you know out what? to RFK Jr.? I like Jr.? him a lot. Nope. Never, never happened. Is it fair to believe? <laughs> so you heard a couple names there. You heard uh, Governor Noem, and you heard Tim Scott. I'm looking at the live chat. I just weighed in because Don's making the point. A good one. A good one. Well, of course he's talking about Tim Scott because he's got the South Carolina primary coming up. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Like, he's no fool, right? I mean, this is a guy who had the Apprentice show. He's just going to tease it along and tease it along. So the reason I wanted to show you that is, one, because you're hearing from him, but also to show you that there's more to it than the names that you're hearing. He also has Nevada coming up right after South Carolina. So like I said, no fool, right? Tim Scott Noam, he's like, you know, they're doing a great job for me. They're doing a great job. So he's kind of sort of dangling the the carrot out there. So do even better and maybe you'll get the gig. I actually am starting to think it's not really going to be. By the way, they'd both be fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I think they're both terrific. They'd both be great. Tim Scott just got engaged. Um, Governor Noam is, is, I mean, she would be fantastic. We've talked about playing sort of the secondary role. I think she'd be very good at that. She's very straightforward. She's a good speaker. She looks great. All of these things. But I have just a little feeling, and again, some intel, that one, it's going to be a woman. And two, the woman is probably going to be somebody that's going to have, I'm talking mass appeal, right? Like who is the woman that relates to everyone? Soccer moms specifically. And so you, you need somebody, that was, that was the beauty of Sarah Palin, right? Like Sarah Palin got soccer moms excited and they needed that. They really needed that in the Republican Party at that time. So who's the equivalent these days? It, you know, it, you don't necessarily want a, a Palin type in that you don't want somebody who's a huge personality because before you say Carrie Lake and she's great too, and she's a big personality, it doesn't always mesh with a personality like Trump's. You've heard me say that, right? You need somebody who kind of, you know, falls in line, so to speak, can get along and you you don't feel like is hogging the spotlight all the time. So I'm kind of thinking, just saying, I mean, some names that I'm hearing include Sarah Huckabee Sanders. We've talked about her, right? I think actually you guys were some of the first to actually mention it because she has been super loyal to Donald Trump. She's a straight shooter. The media, actually, they won't tell you this, but they do like her because she was in the White House and she was press secretary and she'd call you back. She was good at her job. Her dad's been around politics forever. She is the governor of a state. So she, she to me, kind of fits the whole America's sweetheart, loyal to Donald Trump, but clearly her own person as well. That, in my estimation would be the woman to watch right now. I also think people are talking about a woman named Katie Britt, I guess, out of Alabama. Uh, Not a lot known about her, and Donald Trump might enjoy that because of the big splash, but she's young. And again, as I go back to what women are going to like and what women are going to relate to in terms of who the candidate is, I think that stuff matters. Marsha Blackburn. Think about Marsha Blackburn, the senator who is from Tennessee and who has already beaten Taylor Swift. Thank you very much. Taylor campaigned against her in Tennessee, and yet Marsha won anyway. She's a grandmother. She's an attractive woman. She's been in politics for years, super competent. So that's another possibility. And Elise Stefanik, I know you guys love Elise. I mean, Elise Stefanik, I think, just really showed her strength when she questioned Claudine Gay, as well as the woman from MIT and the woman from UPenn. Two of them have lost their jobs. How, how the heck the MIT lady is hanging on for dear life? I don't know. But uh, hey, Steve, new team member. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I just saw that cross. 
Good to have you here. Good, good, good to have you here. But I mean, I, I just think all of these women are exceptional, right? They have big, big futures in politics. The question is, who does he go with in this moment in time if he wants to peel off some of the middle? I know some of you guys are like, ah, he doesn't need it, he doesn't need it. I'm just saying, like, don't take anything for granted, right? And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily wired that way because I'm just a really weird policy wonk that sits around and reads tax policy in her spare time. Sir, true story, true story. Yeah, well, in 2016, I remember that. They all came out with their tax policies. And I was like, gosh, Trump's, it's good. It's good. And that was like before you could even ever say that. People were making fun of him because of that day on the escalator, et cetera, back when they all decided that they were going to be very pro-immigration because that would be the antithesis of him. And look how well that turned out for us, ladies and gentlemen. But let me know your thoughts. I mean, we've got some time. I think he's going to string it out for sure. My advice is to, to, to get somebody who women, middle America, will like. And that, by the way, the guys like too. But I am saying, like, you guys have Trump, right? <laughs> so, so you need to try and figure out who is going to bridge this gap, so to speak. And it's not going to be Nikki Haley. I mean, poor Nikki Haley. He's already said as much. I mean, look, I think that he's willing to let bygones be bygones. But when it comes to Nikki Haley, I mean, she's just really looking increasingly desperate. Am I right? Does Nikki Haley not look desperate going on Saturday night live and making fun of Trump and then putting out these, these tweets that, that look artificial? I mean, at best... I mean, why not just retweet somebody? Why do you have to do this? So this is becoming quite a scandal because Nikki Haley and her team, we can blame, should we just blame her team? We're going to be nice. They, they had the, the bright decision to try and send out a bunch of these, these fan letters. And, and the internet went wild. So this was her response to it. But let's look at some of the initial ones. Like there's this one letter that just cracks me up. This letter, this one. So apparently this is a font that you can get, like it's just a font. So somebody might've tweeted this, might've emailed this, might not have, we don't really know. But somebody on her Cracker Jack staff thought that it would be great to put this one out there on like fake notepad. <laughs> Look at it, it's like a graphic with this fake font saying, oh, how great it is that Nikki Haley is gonna keep on continuing, continuing. I mean, it, are they that desperate that you're gonna actually put out fake fan mail. I, I, I mean, the internet went wild. They had like such a field day. Do you, do you guys know what font that is? And her staff was like, ah, oh, you know, and she, she didn't say it was fake, but everybody kind of took a, a few jabs at her and had some fun. And then she responded with this, apparently in, in perhaps some real letters. Look, that one's handwritten. And wrote, I don't listen to what the political elites who want to coronate Donald Trump say. I listen to the voters, and they want a choice in this election. Thank you for your support. I'll keep working hard to make you proud. Really, Nikki? Like, for how long? What's the deal here? Because I hear you're running out of money. Apparently, uh, Reed Hoffman, you know, the LinkedIn guy who was, who was donating, he's pulling out. I mean, there are some still, there are some pretty significant donors, I think, that are still in the works. But it's not easy. I mean, what, what money does she have? And at what point do you make a decision as a party that, hey, you know, maybe this isn't going so well. Even the head of the RNC is like, gee, you know what? Like, it may be time to call it a day. You wonder why they're keeping her around. Why is she continuing to hang out there? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I understand it because I really, I mean, you just look at that last poll, shall we, from NBC. And it shows that, you know what? Trump is way out in front and she doesn't really, I'm sorry, she just doesn't have a shot. Like, she's so proud of the fact that she could beat either guy. But yeah, you know what? Last I checked, Nikki Haley, newsflash, you got to win the primary. Ooh, you don't like that? Well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm sorry. It is what it is. Unless you want to start a, another party, a third party, you can run as a third party candidate. We got the left, we got the right, we got the Republicans, and we got the Democrats. And you know what? You need the party to actually nominate you for the top spot, for the big gig. And she does not have that. She doesn't have it. So she can complain all she wants or point to all the polls saying that she would win the whole shebang, but she can't get through the primary. And unless you're going to change it, that's the system we have. 
I mean, I realize that the Clinton camp wanted to change the Electoral College. Remember that one? Because they didn't see a path through the Electoral College. They were so worked up. They kept thinking, oh, you know, we're getting the popular vote, but we're not getting the Electoral College. How do we change that? How do we shift that? The answer is, guys, you don't, because that's the system we have. So they've got to try and sell people on on something. And Nikki Haley, meanwhile, is scrapping for dimes here. This one cracks me up. This this T-shirt thing. This is your slogan? Really? That's going to get people excited? Make America normal again. You can't even come up with your own slogan? You have to twist his? Like, it's kind of pathetic. I'm sorry. You know what? That's not gonna. That's not gonna work. Like it's just not gonna work. Like can she get some better political people around her, with a message that's unique to her, not a message that's some kind of variation on whatever Donald Trump is doing, which is exactly what this is. So she's gonna sell T-shirts, make America normal again, and, and try and get people excited that way. Excited by that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, Nikki Haley, at some point, you're going to have to give it up. And we wish you well. We hope you have some kind of political future. I do think Donald Trump is totally willing to let bygones be bygones. But I don't know about the rest of the party. I don't know about the base. I think they've kind of said, yeah, this lady, not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. She is the cup of tea, though, or the candidate du jour of the left, which is why she was on SNL the other night and why they continue to push for her on MSNBC, et cetera. You know, MSNBC is doing its part. I mean, they ought to get like a gold star or a trophy or something because they are working so hard overtime for Joe Biden and his administration. They are trying to convince you that the economy is good when it's not. All right? That, that, that's all I hear on MSNBC. The economy is great. They had a woman who used to be the CNN economic reporter on MSNBC this morning, and she's like, the economy's great. And the, the economy's not great. It really is not. And Joy Reid is now trying to tell you the economy's great. Joy Reid is doing that because, you see, ladies and gentlemen, Joy Reid's in a little bit of trouble. Most of we say a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, probably with her network, probably with the Biden administration. It all has a little something to do with this little f-bomb that came out of her mouth the other day on the air shall we play that one drew over the weekend president biden said he's ready to take action if congress is serious about solving the border issue if that bill were the law today i'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly and congress needs to get it done Starting another war so at the end of the show she went on and apologized and then did the rounds of The View. But let's go sequentially here. Let's see the first apology on MSNBC. Before we go, I just want to apologize very quickly. Uh, I was chatting during a clip that was playing. Um, and, you know, we try to keep this show very PG-13. So I just want to apologize to anyone who was listening to my behind-the-scenes chatter. Uh, deeply, deeply apologize for that because, you know, it's pg But, of course, you notice she didn't actually apologize for her sentiments. So she apologized for the bad language. But it wasn't like I was misquoted. I said something wrong. Well, so today she went on to The View, that lovely little show. You want to talk state TV? We were just talking about Sputnik. You want to talk state TV? I mean, MSNBC and The View, wow. It's like state TV on steroids. So she goes on state TV, ABC's The View, to explain herself and that little indiscretion. She said, oh, no, I couldn't possibly have said, I'm a Christian. You know, that doesn't come out of my mouth. Hmm. Watch. Now, Joy, I want to ask you, because we, as, as people that wear microphones every day, we can relate to this. But last week, you had a hot mic moment that got some attention. <laughs> Let's just say you used some colorful language. Who doesn't? Not me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but it, it seems like you were criticizing President Biden for starting another war. I don't think you're alone in concerns of that, but is that true? Like, what was behind <laughs> this? Well, I'm going to hit that with a cute no comment. No, but I, what, what I'm going to say is I am a person that... I, I'm a study war no more kind of Christian. I'm a red letter Christian. I don't believe in war, whether it is the governor of Texas literally trying to start another civil war 
over an issue that his party could solve tomorrow. There's literally a bill that they just yeah. could pass, right, and, and do the border security issue. Or whether it's in the Middle East, I was deeply against the Iraq War. I was against, I'm, a, I'm an anti-war person. And so, you know, I don't want to say that there's any side that is specifically to blame here. But I think the idea, I think for most Americans, we're war weary. I think we're all weary of conflict, yeah. and we would like to see us progress economically, socially, try to bring this country back from the brink of racial hatred. Let's not do war at all. Yeah. Okay. Let's not. Okay. So that's her little pivot. She's against all war. I mean, she doesn't really talk out against what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and the, the additional money that they want for it here in the U.S. But, you know, she's against most foreign, so she's going she's gonna to go with that. And then she's going to make sure you know that oh, Biden has just done a great job, a great job, a great job. Let's do a big, big hooray, hurrah, cheerleader. Here we go. Cheerleader extraordinaire, Joy Reid, for the Biden administration's lousy economy. Watch. One can win if people vote for them. So yes, he has an absolutely a chance to win. And as you said, every candidate starts out with a good 45% and then it's a matter of the rest. The challenge for President Biden is that on the facts, the economy is far better now than it was under Donald Trump, who failed in his one job, react to a crisis. As president, you're a crisis manager. He was hit with one big crisis, the pandemic and flubbed it so thoroughly, we were at 14% unemployment. Yeah. Yet people, I and hear people, people died. Because and a million people died. Not even yes. some people, a million people died yeah. because of him. Mm-hmm. And yet you have people saying, I had more money, I was rich under Trump. Not true, not possible. And the fact that he overcame his own objection to the STEMI, <laughs> signed a bill Democrats passed to give you a STEMI, mm-hmm. then took credit for the STEMI by putting a letter in the thing when you got the STEMI that said, you're welcome, Donald Trump, yeah. even though he was against the STEMI. Yeah. And now you got people in the street saying, well, Trump gave me a STEMI. No, he didn't. Nancy Pelosi gave you a STEMI. Okay, as for that STEMI, that was all Donald Trump. He desperately wanted to get those checks in the mail initially. I mean, the second one he might have fought in terms of making sure the spending wasn't getting too out of control. But no, no, no. He was all for that first one. It was part of my point. Like everybody was kind of overreacting way back in March 2020 because, you know what, you knew the federal government was going to be there. Donald Trump, I mean, why wouldn't he jump at the chance, right, (laughs) to give everybody a stimmy, as she says. So the other thing is she's just plain old wrong when she says you were not better under Trump than you are under Biden. This is actually flat out wrong. Wrong. Like, first of all, the stock market did do better under Donald Trump, and that includes the giant plummet during the dark days of March 2020. If you look at all the data, it, it really sums up to this. This one chart, this one, one single chart, because in this chart, it shows you income under Biden versus income under Trump. And guess what? This is adjusted for inflation. So we're taking into account Biden's massive inflation. Look at that. I mean, it's like that NBC News poll. Look at the spread. Look at the difference between Trump and Biden. It's massive. I get really excited with charts. Sorry, guys. It's my business background. Okay, this one, this says it all. So income under Donald Trump versus income under Joe Biden adjusted for inflation. Guess what, Joy? You are wrong, lady. You are so flat out wrong. This is why people say they felt better, because they had more money. Their dollars went further. Not that hard. Good chance to give our friends over at Legacy PM Investments a little shout out. Sponsor of this show from like day one. They, they're just great. And I encourage you, if you're worried about like the chart we just saw, give these guys a ring. They'll help you out. Charles comes on the show a lot. He's often in the chat. Actually, sometimes we see him. one 589 They'll walk you through it. They'll kind of help you figure out what you might need, what you can swing right now. I mean, always be thoughtful about these things. You got to make smart decisions for yourself and your family and your future. I personally have invested in gold because I consider it one of those things to help even out my portfolio. And uh, this is this is one way to do it. They, they're going to be very helpful to you. I promise you're welcome to name drop because uh, hopefully you, you could say, hey, I met Charles on Trisha's show because you probably did. If you're in the live chat right now, you definitely might have you might have seen Charles in here. He does come in from time to time. Listen, we, we've got a, a real doozy, shall we say, of an economy. That is flat out the truth. 
And they're going to try and spin it with all of their narrative. They're going to say Tucker can't go to Russia. Oh, my gosh. You know, we have to hold up Tucker because he's some kind of Russian spy himself. I'm tired of it. Wasn't Tulsi Gabbard a Russian spy as well? That was what Clinton accused her of being. I mean, a woman who worked in our armed services, another lady, actually, we didn't get a chance to mention her. I don't necessarily see that one happening, but she's just super competent and maybe could get a great cabinet position. There is a wealth of talent, ladies and gentlemen. There's a wealth of talent. And so we just need to make sure we get the right people doing the right things and and get rid of this darn graft, like the graft in the system, enough already, okay? It it can't continue. It it really can't. And we need to get to the truth. So places like this where you you can come and we can exchange ideas, I, I love it. I love it. This is the future. This is where we want to be. I thank you all for being here today. Davey, Lalo, Zax, it's great to see all of you. We'll continue the conversation right here tomorrow afternoon on the Trish Regan Show. See you then.